So Mike, while you were acquiring your first NFT, or rather an ET, I was doing something similar. Oh yeah? So you were going down the rabbit hole yourself, huh? I mean, kind of, right? I, I, I went like really far down the rabbit hole like 10 years ago when I was building miners and I was running them out of the crawl space in my apartment. <laughs> okay, that, that definitely is rabbit hole right there. That's wild. <laughs> it was, it was. It was the early days. It was even before the ASIC miners. So like everyone was just buying like performant gaming equipment and then just overclocking it. So... They were, they're generally built without cases. So I just had like a couple pieces of plywood and some two by fours. And I built a little open box out of that. And there was no instruction manual. So I was like up till 5 a.m. multiple nights trying to figure this thing out. But I did eventually get it running. And man, it was loud. And I remember <laughs> my wife would get up in the middle of the night and just shut it down because it was just like this fan going. Um, but anyway. Back in the day, that was my first rabbit hole, yeah. Oh, man. So you joined into those mining pools. Uh, were you raking in, like, tons of <laughs> coin back then? No, I mean, I wish I could say it was tons of coin. I kind of flip-flopped between Bitcoin and Litecoin. It was more of a hobby for me, but the, the pools were also super shady, so they'd come and go quick. All of a sudden, one would just kind of disappear, so you always had to have a few reserves to swap over to, but I don't know. I, I made it out okay, but look, I still got a day job today, so nothing. No, no Bitcoin millionaire over here. I hear you. I hear you. And you were saying that you were getting into something similar now? Yeah. So I was actually buying some NFTs myself. All right. All right. So did you ape in or maybe pick up some doodles? <laughs> well, I'll let you in on it right after we roll the intro. Welcome to Rocketship.fm. Rocketship FM is produced in partnership with Product Collective. We are your hosts. Michael Saka and I'm Mike Belsito. As artificial intelligence continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation that we can't ignore: AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. With over 750 specialized hackers in their community, HackerOne isn't just theorizing. They're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large organization, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com AI-Safety-Security. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI-Safety-Security. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name registrar around by using our code. 
just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocket chip FM 24. That's porkbun, P O R K B U N dot com forward slash rocket chip FM 24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. All right, so you promised to reveal what your NFTs were after we rolled that intro. Okay, so I picked up an ape, a pigeon, and a doodle. Well, not exactly. So it was a cosmic ape, a secret society coup, and a soul noodle. Interesting. Okay, I am still new to this, so I I have not heard of any of those projects myself. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone else has either because I'm pretty sure all of those projects are now dead. But there's another thing that they all have in common is that they were all projects on the Solana blockchain. Interesting. Okay. So what was it like buying them? Did you have the kind of trouble that I had trying to get the right (laughs) amount of coin in your wallet and kind of go back and forth? Yeah. So the nice thing about Solana is it's really fast. And because it uses a combination of proof of stake and proof of history, it doesn't require miners, which means- No, no gas fees? Yes. Well, very, very low gas fees. We're like, pennies, right? So you don't even notice it. So it's still a bit of a pain to get everything set up. And it was much easier than Ethereum, though. And it was really fast. So transactions happen near instantly. I used the Phantom wallet. I've tried to buy some soul through MoonPay, but my banks rejected it. So then I just went over to Coinbase, kind of like you. And then once I was set up, I started going down the rabbit hole of Solana NFTs on Magic Eden. Okay, so Magic Eden, is that kind of like OpenSea, but for the Solana world? Yeah, basically. I believe it's the largest Solana NFT market. Here's actually Kate and Thafana, two of the founders of Solana, talking in 2021 about how it all started. So Magic Eden started as of six, seven weeks ago. I feel like I can't keep track of days these days. But um, basically the core team, um, founding team, we're all friends from San Francisco. And um, as I said just a second ago, we're all super interested in NFTs. Um, what wasn't very inspiring was our day jobs, you know, sitting at home, working at home during COVID. And at night we found ourselves going online, aping into NFTs. That was super fun. That was bringing us joy. Um, another thing um, that we really started on ETH trading NFTs, um, but found ourselves moving to Solana because one, it was fast. Two, it was cheap. Three, there are these amazing communities developing on the, on the Solana ecosystem. Fourth, we thought like, hey, there's not like a super inspiring place right now in our opinions to buy, sell, and trade NFTs. There are some marketplace options out there, but actually like our core team, all from the San Francisco Bay Area, 
what we do, our skill set from our day jobs is building, developing, shipping product, bringing it to market. And we thought, hey, should we actually create a marketplace, that marketplace of our dreams and just see where this goes? Um, so that started as a side project six weeks ago. And um, in you know the first week, we, we brought it to market. We launched magiceden.io and um, it's just been a crazy ride ever since then. And that's when I roped you in three weeks ago to come be our head of content. Yeah, um, we should chill ourselves a bit. So it's been six weeks since we started and yeah, just give us some stats. Yeah, so um, really humbled and, and very proud to say that um, within our first month with the site live, um, we crossed $100 million in transaction volume. Um, we are uh, the biggest app, biggest decentralized app on Solana, which is pretty exciting. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Appreciate that. Um, on any given day, um, we are the dominant player in terms of NFT marketplaces on Solana, in terms of number of transactions of NFTs. And then we also own about 40 to 50% on any given day of that, um, the actual transaction volume daily. Um, so that's what we've grown um, to with just having the site live just over a month. I think one of the proudest accomplishments are like one, I quit my day job, I'm doing this full time. And same with um, the rest of the team too. And we've scaled it to bring on awesome people like Tiff. Um, and now we're a team of 10 that grew from like a founding team of five, you know, five weeks ago. That's pretty crazy. And they're much bigger now, I bet. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because everything is publicly tracked. We can actually see that in the last 30 days, they've seen over 600 million in transaction volume from over 212,000 wallets. So six $600 million in transaction volume, and no one's buying any of the projects that you picked up? <laughs> it's a weird world, right? So you hear about all these people getting rich off NFTs and so many hyped projects, but there are also so many projects that simply, they go nowhere, or worse off, they're like rug pulls. Okay, I've heard this term a few times now, rug pulls. What What is that exactly? Yeah, so it's like they're pulling the rug out from under you, right? I, that's, that's where it comes from. The, so they're scams, right? People have been getting away with them for years in this space, and they kind of start a project. They promise this whole roadmap. Everyone's going to get rich. And then they shut it down right after minting, and they just walk away with the millions from the mint, and they end it. Yeah, that I've been hearing about these. They happen probably too often. Um, the Frosty's rug pull, I mean, that actually happened very recently, except the two people that were involved were actually arrested, right? Yeah, exactly. It's a pretty wild story where they allegedly admitted to the whole thing in like the Discord channel for the project. Here's a clip I found from an article on The Verge about the, the Frosty's kind of project and arrest. U.S. government prosecutors have charged two men with fraud and money laundering over a cryptocurrency rug pull scheme. Ethan Nguyen and Andre Lacuna allegedly earned around $1.1 million by selling non-fungible tokens, or NFTs, based on cartoon-like characters called Frosties. After selling the NFTs, they shut down the project and transferred its funds to a series of separate crypto wallets, leaving Frosties owners bereft of promised rewards. According to the criminal complaint, the Internal Revenue Service, Criminal Investigation, IRSCI, and Homeland Security Investigations, HSI, began investigating Frosties in January, shortly after receiving complaints about the scam. Frosties was a buzzy project whose 8,888 NFTs priced at the Ethereum equivalent of roughly $130 sold out within an hour of the public launch. But as chronicled by protocol, the creators abandoned it almost immediately. 
buyers earned only a few dollars when they tried to resell their NFTs, and they gave up any hope of seeing future promised rewards, including 3D versions of their avatars and a Frosty's video game. Some scammed community members nonetheless attempted to resurrect the Frosties as a separate NFT lineup. Now, the two men behind Frosties have been arrested in Los Angeles, California. The complaint includes an apparent apology and confession from Nguyen to the moderator of the Frosties community Discord server. I know this is shocking, but this project is coming to an end. I never intended to keep the project going, and I don't have a plan for anything in the future, it reads. Yeah, that's definitely a shame yeah it, it really is but it's also weird seeing the completely unregulated world of crypto now being hit with these like real world consequences yeah for sure but okay we haven't even started to talk about what we are actually going to talk about here today right oh yeah my my nfts well <laughs> kind of but but solana right yeah of course of course i actually got to sit down with joshua taylor the head of design at solana labs to get a peek behind the curtain of a fully functioning web3 company um so that and more right after a quick break Okay, so before the break, we were about to go deeper into Solana, the L1 blockchain that is rivaling Ethereum and, and Bitcoin, really, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess. Honestly, I, I don't actually know what people use Bitcoin for these days. But um, yeah, Solana is quickly becoming a favorite for dApp creators or decentralized applications because it's lightning fast, very low gas fees, as we talked about. And it's much better for the environment than its peers because there's no miner network. That's right. And it was created by Anatoly Yakovenko, who spent most of his career actually at Qualcomm, working on mobile operating systems, usually lower level kernel firmware, and just generally trying to make things faster. Here's Anatoly speaking with Mike Novogratz in 2021 about the early days of Solana. 2017, you know, Bitcoin was going bonkers and a buddy of mine and I started building deep learning hardware that was mining crypto in the background. And that was our first foray into it. And that's when I started thinking about proof of work, why it's necessary, why it's cool, and literally had two coffees and a beer and came up with what kind of the, the initial idea of what became proof of history. And, and talk, talk a, a layman through proof of history versus proof of stake, proof of work, proof of... Yeah, so uh, proof of work is a way to measure entropy, electricity. You got to burn electricity to generate, to solve proof of work. And uh, proof of history is just a way to measure time. So it doesn't take nearly as much energy, but you have to, you're forced to spend real time to do it. And that was really kind of like that, you know, mind blown eureka moment. <laughs> I couldn't sleep for like a week. Um, and uh, it was important because my spent a, you know, nearly 15 years at Qualcomm, time division multiple access was the first wireless protocol for cellular networks. It's time is like this, this really core piece of optimizing those things. Um, so once I knew I had that, I was like, okay, so you can now build scalable blockchains. Um, and that, that really what started it. So he's the first to pioneer proof of history. And he goes out to raise money on this new technology to take on Ethereum, the dominant L1 blockchain at the time. Basically, April 2018 is when we closed like a 3 million seed round. And that was enough to right. get a bunch of my colleagues from Qualcomm, like principal engineers, to like say, fuck it, <laughs> I'm going to go build this thing. So they joined you. 
Yeah. <laughs> so Solana was the Qualcomm team, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and your funders were friends and family, crypto people? Uh, no, like um, Slow Ventures, Foundation Capital, Multicoin Capital. Um, oh, so you got classic crypto guys who got... Yeah. Who got Silicon <laughs> Valley, like crypto people. So they took this investment and built the blockchain as fast as they could, but then something else happened. A massive market drop in 2018, just as Anatoly was ready to launch. But they decided to launch anyway, and early adopters at that time, they picked up Solana for just 22 cents. Yeah, and to give some perspective, today it trades for around $100, and it's actually traded for over $200 in the last six months. So now the, the company that Anatoly started to support Solana is known as Solana Labs, and their main focus is building and supporting projects that leverage the Solana blockchain, like Magic Eden. And to learn more about what happens behind the scenes, I got to sit down with Joshua Taylor, their head of design at Solana Labs. And actually, the first thing you asked them about was what drew him into the crypto space, right? Yeah. I came to this point where, you know, I think a lot of people have kind of talked about this. Um, I struggle and try not to use the word burnout because that doesn't quite feel like the right term for me, but something wasn't on. I just wasn't that excited about what I was doing. Um, and as I looked around to like, okay, I can leave the job that I'm at and I can go to another company. And if I was intellectually honest with myself, I was like, I'm going to be bored in six to 12 months. Like I'll be really excited for a while. And you're just trading one set of problems for another. Um, in the, so at the end of the day, I realized that it wasn't burnt out. I was bored. Um, and that took me a really long time because that feels like a cynical term, you know? Um, and I enjoyed my job and, and all that type of, I, like a million things were going well. But at the end of the day, I realized now that I was bored. So when I started, um, it was probably early 2021, late 2020. Um, I started looking more aggressively. I was like, okay, it's like I had taken a little bit of time off on a sabbatical and um, I had done some some side projects and nothing was really resonating. And I started looking for more full-time jobs and got connected with some friends that were in the, in the crypto space. And suddenly I was just like wildly excited. Um, and I couldn't really figure out why I was also very cynical, like excited and super cynical. I was like, what is this? <laughs> this is crazy. Uh, it's a wild, wild space, you know? So I was, I was super cynical. Still am. And I, I've actually, I promised myself before I joined that I would maintain some amount of cynicism. I think that's really important. You know, I, I, so as I, I think there was, there was one or two moments as I started getting in and listening to some podcasts where I realized, wow, this is not about trading coins. This is not about um, new investments. Um, that's the thing that gets a lot of traction in the media and that people are excited to talk about uh, because, you know, get rich quick stories are, are easy, easy uh, media fodder, right? But as I got in and I realized, whoa, this is actually fundamental technology that is in some way already here. I didn't realize how far along and how, how far developed this already was. Like in the financial sector that you already have, like basically every financial uh, product from investments to um, insurance to 
like all everything that happens in the financial world has already been replicated and already exists multiple times over and so like this is actually a fairly robust thing that's happening and the realization that it goes way beyond um finances and that this is about art and it's about culture and music um and that it's about how people get together um and coordinate on projects right like then i started realizing that this is it's really actually some ways more boring than everybody makes it out to be it's just technology you know but at that level i saw that this is the technology that that's that's a massive massive leap forward from where we are today this revelation is one that many people describe having i i myself had it on several occasions it's kind of the magic behind the whole movement of decentralization so stay tuned we'll have more right after a quick break So before the break, we were hearing from Joshua Taylor, the head of design at Solana Labs. That's right. And so I asked Josh to describe what the difference between Solana is and Solana Labs. Solana is a protocol. It's like the internet. Um, it is uh, It is not anybody. It is anyone can have it. Like no one owns Solana. Solana Labs helps manage that. Um, so I, I, if I use the term we, um, that is uh, almost definitely inaccurate. Um, Solana, Solana is not anybody. So I am not Solana. No one is Solana. Uh, Solana is a protocol. Um, so we uh, generally referring to Solana Labs. Interesting. So this reminds me a lot of the structure of many open source projects, even GitHub, where Git is an open source protocol and GitHub is a company that built itself around the protocol. Exactly. So Solana Labs helps to keep Solana running, but it also manages the brand of Solana. One of the interesting things there are hard things is, um, you know, this is a decentralized uh, system, which means like there isn't one owner, there isn't one uh, entity of Solana that speaks to the world. And that, that means some interesting brand challenges um, because we've really started to think a lot more about like what does a headless brand look like where it's not a traditional relationship where you have a small brand team that defines what the brand is and then spends a lot of time trying to like propagate that and regulate that. Instead, it's more like, hey, this is everybody's brand. Anybody that builds on Solana is a part of Solana. And um, and so how do we support them? And how do we give a much uh, more broad set of tools that anybody can use and evolve? Um, so that, that's been an interesting challenge in that first bucket of product and marketing or brand and marketing. And they also solve one of the biggest challenges of a blockchain like Solana, whose value is driven by how many people are relying on the network. So they need to incubate and launch projects that utilize Solana or make it easier for others to utilize Solana. At Solana Labs, we have a really interesting perspective of getting to talk to a bunch of different people um, building um, you know, at this point, there's thousands and thousands of developers. We have a hackathon going on right now with like thousands of developers. The last one we had at the end of last year was uh, by all measures that we can uh, can find on the Internet is the largest hackathon that's ever been run. Um, so there's like 500 submissions. A bunch of those got got funding. Like this is like so many people building and there's so much traction in the developer community. So. Um, just being plugged in there, we see a lot of what's going on and we look for opportunities to put something out that would 
uh, accelerate the entire ecosystem. So what's interesting about this is this is the, probably the closest thing we have to product design, but we aren't launching our own products. We are generally launching reference implementations that are paired with protocol layer enhancements. So a great example of this was Metaplex. We launched that um, uh, in May or, or June of last year. Um, and so that allowed anybody to build on top of Solana um, NFTs. So we looked and we basically said, hey, the Solana is ultra fast, uh, super cheap uh, to use, is energy efficient. Like there's no reason why NFTs shouldn't be huge on Solana and yet it's not really happening. Um, and so we, uh, th there was a bunch of work done on, um, on developing that protocol. And then in order to, to show that we launched um, Metaplex uh, that had some store NFT storefronts and that kind of that type of product design work showed people kind of what's possible. And the cool part about that is everybody took it and run with it. And, you know, everybody's built a bunch of crazy stuff that we never had envisioned. Um, so the, the big difference there is building product design work that doesn't have multiple iterations. Um, it's often about getting out the V1 and then like, we're always trying to hand that off. Even if they're successful, a great success story for us is doing that product design work, doing that incubation work, and then hand it off to someone else, um, hand it off to another person in the ecosystem or fund it and roll it out or, you know, somehow get it off of Solana Labs plates. We don't want to be in the place of like, actually running those products. This sounds like incredibly fun work, honestly. Um, now, I like having iterations, but there is a magic to working at that incubation stage where you're just trying to find product market fit over and over again. Now in the Web3 space, this must move incredibly fast as we're seeing projects raise millions and millions of dollars after a weekend <laughs> hackathon at times. At least it seems that way. Yeah, Josh actually talked about this. I mean, the, the biggest thing that, I mean, I just cannot overstate the importance of this is like Web3 moves fast. I mean, really fast. Um, yeah, sometimes to it to its own detriment. Um, you know, I, I think that that that's a that can be a challenge. But gosh, it is just like flying. Um, and so a lot of the like the 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 tools that are out that like, man, they're processing like billions of dollars. They were designed in like a week, like like or two or three, you know, max, right? Like like these. These things are like a lot of what's happening now is um, designing what you know needs to exist. Um, and so speed is everything. Um, I, I think that like that's a challenge. That's a challenge for me. It's a challenge for every designer we work with. Like I have my designery hat on and want to run a great design thinking process. And th those things are valuable. The, the, the the real value though is being able to not lose the value of a design thinking process but being able to compress it into an extremely short time period um so how do you run a 80 percent of the design process in a day or two or a week um and so this is stuff that we're thinking about a lot um and and again the pressure there is just that um there's time pressure that 
um, things are moving so quickly. And if you wait 60 days to put something out, sometimes it's just too late. It's too long. Things are happening like right now. Um, that's a, that's a, just, that for me has been a, a wild readjust. Um, I don't know that anything's fundamentally um, different, except that you just have to move so fast. Um, hiring agencies and contractors and other people has been really hard because it's very, very rare that they can adjust to such a quick pace. Um, but to the extent to which they're able to, it's it's a really exciting place because, I mean, you're, you're making stuff and shipping it like right away. So this is the future we're all headed towards? Building something in a weekend and then having billions of dollars funnel through it? I mean, what could go wrong? <laughs> well, lots, right? <laughs> but that's kind of the exciting part of all this. We still haven't really figured out what that thing is for Web3. Here's Anatoly again discussing when he thinks that aha moment for Web3 will be. When we get to 100 million people that use self-custodied keys on these chains for applications, for something, for NFTs, I don't care what it is, right. I think we'll be there. And awesome. that's that's kind of like that moment in the internet when you had 100 million people browsing and you saw Friendster or could pop up and you're like, okay, that's the model. Somebody's going to get it right. We're not quite there yet, like not not quite at that at like it's obvious that the, this is going to be the thing. Um, so it's exciting because we're I'm like, well, what is it going to be? <laughs> like, uh, you know, I have like my ideas, but uh, I, you know, there's no way I could predict it. Which is crazy because they're building the foundation without a clear idea of what that core use case will actually be. Yeah, it's such a crazy time. And speaking of crazy, you're actually getting on a plane tomorrow and heading out to L.A. for what a cameo nft party right all right don't spoil it just yet <laughs> but but yes i'm actually about to head out to my first crypto nft party and i'll be rubbing elbows with some crypto web 3 celebrities maybe some real celebrities <laughs> we'll see but i'm doing it all in the name of rocket ship here so i hope everybody's happy about this it's amazing we're gonna have more from that party coming up all on this season of rocket ship fm where we're diving into web three and um trying to figure out this world ourselves so for mike belsito i'm michael saka this is rocketship.fm thank you so much for listening to rocketship.fm it is your support that keeps the show going if you can take a second and leave us a review wherever you listen to podcasts it helps out the show so much we're also part of the podglomerate network and if you'd like to listen to more great shows from the podglomerate go to the podglomerate.com to see the full show listings. Rocketship.fm is produced in partnership with Product Collective, a community for product people. Go to productcollective.com and get access to our weekly newsletter, live video interviews, Slack community, product job board, and a whole lot more. Again, just go to productcollective.com.